having that stability, what it does, you know, I think one of the keys to deal making is that you can't be negotiating from a place of desperation. And when you're just trying to get sales going, it doesn't work. If you're desperate for the deal to go through so that you can, you know, this deal is going to save your business, you're going to end up getting a deal that's not in your best interest. Getting yourself with a stable sales funnel, knowing you've got sales coming in consistently, and then using marketing to drive leads into that funnel, then allows you the space to really negotiate and make deals from a place of power. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Stephanie Scheller is the founder of Grow Disrupt, a San Antonio-based training organization for small businesses, an accomplished speaker, and has been behind the scenes with more than 2,500 companies in the past five years to analyze and address their sales and marketing systems. She's a TEDx speaker, a Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, a 2019 New York Life Women of the Year nominee, a two-time best-selling author, an entrepreneur, a coach, a trainer, and dedicated to teaching the same skills that allowed her to build her business from scratch and walk away from her corporate job in less than five months. I am so excited to have Stephanie Schella on the, uh, the DealQuest podcast. As many folks know, we used to be fueling deals. We've rebranded to DealQuest. So, Stephanie, I am so excited to have you on the DealQuest podcast. I'm super excited to be here, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. So, listen, um, before we uh, get into all the amazing stuff you do now for uh, companies and, and, and entrepreneurs and, and how it relates to deals, I want to take you back to when you were a little girl growing up, 8, 10, 12 years old. You know, my sense is that maybe your dream of what you wanted to be back then wasn't a, uh, an author and speaker and sales and marketing expert, but, but maybe it was. You tell me. What did you want to be back then? Well, it's kind of funny that you asked that because it definitely wasn't like in that exact terminology. I didn't have this goal to be an author, speaker, coach. I had dreams of being an author, but I was going to be writing fiction books. I actually have this whole, this is something not many people know, but I have this whole fictional world I've created we have our own language. We have our own maps. We have our own, you know, history and all this. I mean, this wow. great, I know, nuts, right? Way too much intensity. I spent 15 years on this stuff. And I have this whole storyline and I wanted to be an author, but I didn't know that it would be, you know, the capacity I'm in now. And I, I loved speaking. I loved being on stage. But again, I didn't know it would be here. Originally, I wanted to be an equine facility. I wanted to run a horse barn. So that was where <laughs> I was going when I, when I was a kid. <laughs> I love it. So I, I have to ask just one follow-up question on this world you've created. So are we talking like, you know, Harry Potter kind of thing? Dungeons and Dragons kind of like, like what, what are we talking about here? Um, more, more along the level of like J.R.R. Tolkien, like Lord of yeah. the Rings type of stuff. Like Harry Potter has that like merge between the human, like our world and this other world. This is just a completely removed, like separate world. It's its own, you know, 
globe and all, all that, all that craziness. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. All right. And uh, my second question that I always ask on the podcast is as far as, as early as you can remember, you know, what is the first deal of any type you ever did? <laughs> uh, I walked into my mom's room as a child. I think I was, I think I was eight, nine and I flung myself across her bed and this was my opener to the deal, right? Okay. Flung myself across her bed and said, I'll never have a horse. <laughs> and I just broke into tears. I broke down crying. And that was how we opened negotiations for me to get my first horse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was, that taught me, you know, having a horse taught me a lot about sales. I was constantly having to sell my mom into taking me down to the barns to spend time with him. Right, right. I was having to sell my parents into not making me get rid of him because he was expensive. Like I, I learned a lot about deals and negotiating with a horse. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, uh, well, folks, uh, anybody who's read my authentic negotiating book knows that I did not recommend as a tactic throwing you across, uh, yourself across somebody's bed, <laughs> but apparently that worked. And, and, and frankly, listen, I, you know, with kids, uh, sometimes that backfires, but sometimes that works. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely not a, um, not a negotiation tactic I would recommend to anybody at this point, but you know, there, there's something to be said for it. So uh, yeah, you know. I love it. Well, okay, listen, you got a horse, so that's uh, right. Right. The results show uh, stand, uh, stand the, on their own. So Stephanie, just take a couple of minutes. I mean, you know, we, we gave a little bit in your bio, but take a couple of minutes to just talk about the, you know, the core of what you do for clients and who those clients are. And then we'll start talking about some, you know, some more details about your experience and how it relates to deals. What do you do and who, who do you do it for? Yeah. So the, the core of our business is events online and offline. We do so my goal was, you know, in business, there are so many experts. There's so many gurus out there. It's very challenging to find guys who give, guys and girls who give good information that is currently working for small businesses in our economy. And a lot of small businesses get so overwhelmed. They get bad information and they get so overwhelmed with trying to find the right person to listen to that they kind of stop doing it. And then they just try and run the business. And we all know that doesn't work. If you're going to run a business, you've got to have business skills as well as technical skills. And, you know, like you have to have your attorney's license, right? But you also have to know how to run a business. And so when they get overwhelmed, they just don't do anything with building the business skills. So my goal was to be kind of that gatekeeper, right? So people could come to me and know, you know, hey, Steph may not be the financial guru on how to manage finances in your business, but Steph doesn't have to be because she knows good people who are and she can connect you to those guys. Yes. Right. So we started doing these events where we bring in the right guys to listen to the guys who not just know what they're doing, but also know how to break it down in a way that makes sense and will work inside, not just their business. Right. And so that's what we do. We do a lot of events <laughs> right now. We do a lot of events online and we'll, you know, it, we almost always are bringing in some kind of expert to be the, the guiding light, right? We're just the brand that people connect with and can trust to know that whoever we put in front of them is going to be good. I love that. And, you know, so you are definitely a connector and, you know, I, a lot of people say that I'm a connector and I think it's accurate and, you know, yep. uh, that's a great skill to have in terms of helping people, people put deals because what, you know, what's the first thing in any kind of deal that's going to happen, any kind of relationship is going to happen. You got to connect people, right? Yep. So, so that's awesome. Um, the other thing I just want to uh, throw out there in terms of events is that, uh, um, if people want to go back, I mean, we're going to be on episode, I think it's 70 something on this one. People want to go back all the way back, all the way back to episode three 
of what was then the Feeling Deals podcast with Steel Coast. Now we had Ramon Ray on, and, Ram- and Ramon is uh, talking about deals around events. He's an expert on uh, getting sponsorship and affiliate yeah. deals uh, related to uh, to events. And uh, so just, uh, just a little thought as we we're mentioning events uh, on some deals you can do around that if you want to Go all the way back to episode three. Check out Ramon Ray's episode on now uh, DealQuest. So Stephanie, that's great. So you do, you do these events and you bring people together and you bring experts in and and um, who shows up at these events and who you know who is the target market for your services. So primarily, we're working with small business owners who are under the twenty million dollar mark. Um, yeah. Usually, they're dealing with you know usually fifty or less employees. Uh, we have a couple of people that you know come to our events that are you know have a hundred or a couple hundred, but usually they're they're you know they're under under twenty million. Usually. And they are, the, the small business owner is still in there wearing multiple hats a lot of times. They are the head of marketing. They're the head of sales. They are the GM. They are, you know, so, so these guys are usually they're in growth mode. Like they're growing their business. They're doing well, but they also understand that, you know, three, five percent growth is okay. But, you know, they really want to get to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred percent growth. right? They're looking to accelerate and shorten that learning curve and uncover problems they don't even know they have. Because we deal with that a a lot in small business where you've got a problem that's holding you back in your business. You don't even know that that problem exists. You know, I use the example that I just uncovered recently. I play the violin, one of my hobbies. And um, for the past few weeks, I've been, you know, freaking out about my bow and I keep tightening the hairs because as you play this one note called staccato, it's a short, quick note. And I kept hitting multiple strings and it was driving me nuts. And so I kept tightening my bow and tightening my bow. And finally, my instructor pointed out, he said, you know, Stephanie, the reason you're hitting multiple strings is because your elbow is in the wrong place. Like you're looking at, you're trying to fix the wrong thing. (laughs) Right, right. And we do this so often in business. And so these are the guys who are going, I know there's issues I have that I don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. I I need that help. And I really want to create, like I'm committed to growth. We're already growing, but I want to shorten the learning curve and, and eliminate some of that pain. I love it. So, you know, obviously one of the things I always talk about is that, uh, you know, unless you are like a uh, VC funded roll up firm and the whole business model is that you're just out there buying companies, 99% of the companies out there, you know, who I encourage to look at doing deals first need to make sure that they can sell and market a product or a service yeah. and, and have a fundamental core business that there's something to build, you know, deals upon. So yeah, talk a little bit about what you do there and then, and then how that sometimes uh, does, you know, uh, tie into or relate to, how, you know, people doing deals uh, over and above the uh, fundamental sales and marketing growth. Yeah, well, so I, I completely agree. And I think way too many times you've got people who are looking, trying to cut deals in order to get sales and marketing going, right? So when I was getting the business going, there were so many people who were reaching out, we should do a J, we should do a JV, we should do a JV, we should do a joint venture, we should partner, we should partner. But, you know, they're not getting any sales. And I was, you know, fighting my butt off to get some sales going. I only had so much to bring to the table. And I did a couple of those before I started to realize they were just a waste of time and energy. Like I wasn't getting anything out of it. They weren't getting anything out of it. And so like you have to have this fundamental level of I have a product or a service that is appropriately priced, right? I got to make sure that I am actually making money. I was talking about this with a group I was working with earlier today. I was like, you have to be price because you as the business owner, if you're working inside the business, you need to take a paycheck, but you're the owner of the business, which means you also should be getting a profit distribution. This isn't an either or. And simultaneously, if you're paying, like you have to be able to have enough money coming in to pay someone else to actually do the work. Otherwise you don't have a scalable business. So your business has to be priced correctly. You got to have some sales coming. Once you get those two things sorted and, and you 
develop the sales skills, then you can start to build some marketing and some brand recognition, right? And start to actually put out content that's designed to draw people into your website or to your conversion points, right? Whatever those conversion points are, they may just be people reaching out to you. But having that stability, what it does, you know, I think one of the keys to deal making is that you can't be negotiating from a place of desperation. And when you're just trying to get sales going, like that's, it doesn't work. If you're desperate for the deal to go through so that you can, you know, this deal is going to save your business, you're going to end up getting a deal that's not in your best interest. So getting yourself with a stable sales funnel, knowing you've got sales coming in consistently, and then using marketing to drive leads into that funnel, then allows you the space to really negotiate and make deals from a place of power. I love that. And, and I totally believe in that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I talk about in my negotiating book. You know, as if you're sure you're, if you're in a place of scarcity or desperation or fear or any of those good things, you're not going to be in a strong place. So, yeah, yeah, that is, I think that's right on stuff. And it's interesting to me, you don't know this, but some of the stuff you spoke about uh, a little earlier in this list, Les Peach, you said the episode uh, that we uh, are airing right before yours is with Mike Michalowicz, uh, who's the author of Profit First. Ah, I love uh, Mike. Isn't he? Like, I, I am, you know, there's very few, I mean, there's a lot of people I respect and I learn from, and but there's, you know, I, I joke that there's very few like, I'm not a fanboy of, like, it's not my way, but I'm sort of a Mike McCallowitz fanboy, you know? I, uh, you know? <laughs> I am too. I try so hard. I hope he doesn't listen to that. I try so hard not to fangirl out when, when I'm talking with him because it's, it's just, I'll just sit here and just be like, oh, it's so right. That's so, I just, I'm such, yeah. I'm, I, I agree completely. So, I don't so, fangirl often either, but. Right, right. So your episode's right after his. And, you know, you mentioned this conversation with Ona taking a paycheck and getting a profit distribution. That's, you know, right in line with his profit first, uh, you know, and even his new book, uh, you know, uh, Fix This Next is, you know, yes. it's all about, right, taking things out. So I love uh, the, I love the way you, the universe has brought sort of a, a flow and synergy coming out of Mike's episode into yours because there, there's a lot of consistency in what, uh, you know, he talks about and what you're talking about, which is, uh, which That's is great. Awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. I'm so honored to follow his episode. He's, he really is a great guy. And, and, you know, my philosophies on, pricing and all that stuff. I've, I've had them forever. I've always believed, you know, in, but really when I got into Mike's stuff, the profit first stuff, it's just solidified everything. And it made it, he gave me a lot of the terminology to make it make sense. Like, Hey, your paycheck and your profit are not the same thing. And, and it's just, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was like, uh, you know, around the entrepreneurial community uh, is certainly an entrepreneurial organization, which I was heavily involved in for, you know, a long, long time. You know, there's this conversation of paying yourself first as an entrepreneur, which is a you know, a fundamental premise that analyzes Mike's book, but but he gave a much more sophisticated framework and, you know, and, and thought process around, you know, and detail around uh, that fundamental concept. So I'm the same way, you know, he, uh, I was already working with that concept, but I didn't have the separate accounts and I didn't have the framework. And I, you know, so anyways, yes, well, exactly. uh, so it's great. So, all right, we'll stop fanboying, fangirling Mike McAllowitz and we'll get <laughs> back to you. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join our DealQuest Dealmakers community and our upcoming Zoom event, conversation, connection, and cocktails. We're doing this every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and you can sign up at coreycupfer.com slash CCC event. That's coreycupfer.com slash CCC event. You'll have a chance to engage with other business owners, leaders, and executives to hear more from them about their greatest challenges and most effective strategies for growth in these challenging times. Now back to the show. So, yeah. So, Stephanie, so let's talk about, I know, uh, you know, give me an example to a situation where you, you know, were working with clients on their fundamental, you know, sales and marketing and everything else you do. 
And then, you know, that evolved and put them in that position to be able to do some sort of deal that really then further accelerated their growth. Yeah. So it's really cool because I've been working, there's a client I've been working with for a little while and I'm going to have to stay a little vague on names as of right this second. So I'm just going to say my client, but I've been working with them for a couple of years. And we really, when I first started working with them, they actually had, you know, sales and marketing running. They were in a good place as, you know, this is a multi-million dollar company that was doing really well, but there were some challenges with, there was a change in leadership inside the organization and there was all these challenges that were creating, it was, you know, there was some bad apples in the culture. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of problems there that was keeping them from being able to really focus on their sales and their marketing. So the first thing we started working on, I started working with them back when I did a lot more, you know, one-on-one work going into companies. But right. the first thing we just started working on was just cleaning up the culture and just making sure that the culture was well-defined and that the people who were part of the company, you know, the right leaders were in the right roles and they had the training and support needed to really, you know, own it and, and not have everything land on the owner's desk. Cause that's what was happening. Right. It was kind of a, you know, the first time I sat down with them, they're like, well, we don't need job descriptions. We're a small business. This is a, everyone helps everywhere type of thing. <laughs> and I just said, I, you know, I get that. Cause I hear that from everyone. Right. But the reality is when everyone just helps with everything, that means only one person's going to end up being responsible for everything. And, you know, looked at the owner and I was like, how's your health? And the owner just kind of had this like little like, oh crap, like <laughs> everything would land on the owner. And so, you know, that was the first, okay, we got to start creating this culture, the structure for the culture. People need to know what they are and aren't responsible for, what they can and can't make decisions on. And what happened, what was really cool, as we started making sure that piece was in place, keep in mind, this is multiple, multiple millions of dollar company, right? This is not a small micro company, still a small business, but, but not a micro business. As all that other stuff started falling into place, without even having to put a whole ton of emphasis on the sales and the marketing, those started going up and right. increased really quickly. And so when we finally got all the culture stuff in place and we were able to start focusing on the sales and the marketing side and streamlining the marketing side, now the sales are going up even further and even further. And now then we're able to focus on the sales side and getting the sales team really dialed in. And so it was very cool was just watching this kind of like, as we've, you know, fixed one thing, the next thing, the next thing, it all started flowing. We created this great momentum. And then because they had this momentum going, they had a connection that came to them and said, hey, this major nationwide company is looking for someone to take over a division for them. Are you open to a conversation about it? Wow. And I mean, we're talking like, this is a company that if I were to say this nationwide company, literally everyone knows this company. And it's been like a year of going back and forth and sorting it out and the nationwide company going, well, never mind, we're just going to keep it in-house and having to go back and be like, no, there's a reason that you didn't want to do that and that that's not a good decision. And, and we finally actually got it sorted and it's kicking off in, in very, very quickly here from when we're recording and it is just going to blow. They're probably going to double very quickly. And so then the, the other thing we're looking at now is now we finally got the deal negotiated. We got everything in place. Now we're like, okay, first of all, how do we make sure we maintain this? Let's set up yes. some parameters there. Yes. And then two, how do we make sure that this doesn't become your whole business? Because I think yes. that's a mistake a lot of people make is when they make a big deal, 
Then they let that become the whole business. And I told the owner, I said, you've got to make sure that the sales from this deal you've negotiated never exceeds, I mean, maximum 25% of your total revenue for the company. I was like, and that I'd prefer you kept it around 10 because the issue is if they decide to pull the trigger and pull the plug, your entire company could go under if you let it get out of control. And it was like the sobering moment. <laughs> no question. There's so many things in what you said. I mean, first of all, it's such a great example of exactly what you were talking about earlier, which is this, you know, what I talk about a lot as well, you know, which is this sort of, uh, you know, synergy. If you're doing it right, you know, your organic growth, your sales and marketing, you know, is the base, but then, you know, you leverage that with deals, right? You get to that point where you can then leverage the success and negotiating position and everything you talked about earlier into a deal, which then flows back into higher sales and marketing. So I love that. And then, you know, the idea of, of that is an ongoing relationship. And that's something I talk yeah. about all the time as well, in terms of, you know, that a negotiation is just the start or the continuation of a relationship. You got to keep that in mind. And then this final piece, which I really am glad you brought up, because, you know, getting a big deal done, or even if it's just organically getting a huge, you know, client in, right, a customer in, mm-hmm. you know, is a blessing and a curse often, right? The blessing is, oh my God, I can, like one customer is going to double my sales, but then too many companies become complacent and they become yeah. overly reliant upon that client, then if you lose them, you know, and listen, we all, I've been in business 35 years, you know, I feel like we do great work for people. We rarely, you know, ever have any issue with a client, but we still lose clients for other reasons, right? Clients get acquired, yeah. clients go to business, uh, you contact the client leaves and someone new comes in and no matter how good you were, they want to use their people. You know, there's a yeah. million reasons why you can lose a client. So yeah. uh, making sure that it's not too higher percentage is so crucial. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the thing. Right. And, and I think, I think Mike even talks about this too, where he talks about, you know, just because you land that one big deal, that one client, the thing to keep in mind is this, and I don't think Mike talks about this one, but I talked about this just recently is if you have one big deal or even, you know, let's say you got two or three big clients that pay your bills. Right. I know a lady I was chatting with, she's like, Steph, I had three clients and I was making $250,000 a year from three clients. She goes, and you know, the, you know what hit the fan and I lost two of them overnight Wow! and, and it wasn't anything I did. It was one of them got acquired and they wanted to, they, they were bringing it in house cause they got acquired by a larger company. And then the other one, I can't remember what happened with the other one now, but she was like, it was just all of the sudden. And I looked at her and I said, you let's have a moment of honesty here. And this is going to be a hard pill to swallow, but you haven't owned a business for the past seven years. You've not owned a business. You've had a job. You've had a job for three people and you did not own a business that was stable. That was, that was a hard pill for her to swallow, but she's like, you're right. I haven't, I've had a job. And that I think can happen. We, you know, we feel like we got that life-saving deal, but when that becomes your only client, suddenly you start bending over backwards. You start doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You start taking on tasks you shouldn't be taking on that you're not great at, but you said you'd do it anyhow. The problem with that is, here's my little soapbox. I'll get off in in a second here. The problem with that is, you know, when you start taking on stuff you're not supposed to be doing for your client, you're not doing it at the quality level you've guaranteed to them and promised them because you don't know if you knew how to do it that well, it would be part of your core business. Right. So when you start adding this stuff on, what happens is you start degrading the quality of that relationship and you felt you had to add it on because you had to keep the client. And that's where, you know, you never want to end up in that position, that position of I, where you feel like you're owned by someone else. It just is not a comfortable feeling. 
And, you know, going back to something we talked about earlier about being a connector, I think the better, I agree with you 100% what you just said. And I think the better model, and it's, you know, frankly, what we do, I'm very clear with the clients uh, that we represent, whether it's on my law firm side or whether it's on my, you know, training, uh, speaking training and consulting company side, you know, that we do what we do. We do it really, really well. And we don't do anything else. And by the way, you know, what I have done in most cases in terms of the ancillary services that people need around what we do is I've developed really great relationships with people that I know, that I trust, that I can recommend. And when the client comes to me and says, can you also do X for us? I will say, no, you don't want us to do that. You know, that's not what we're great at, but you know what, you know, call Steph or call whoever, right. You know, whatever, because they're great at that. Yeah. And see, that is the key, right? Is knowing your boundaries so that you can say, hey, this is not what I do right? But then having a resource for them because no one's going to be, if you just, if you're just like, no, that's not what I do. First of all, very few people are going to be mad about it, right? They may come back and try and negotiate you into doing it anyhow. Well, could you take it on? Right? And then now you're, oh, all right. All right. Right. You don't want to be a, so if I say, you know what, that's really not what we do, but I know this person and they're really good at it. And you know what? It's funny because I have multiple people I refer to for website build. Right. I I know so many people who are like, I want to be the only person you refer to. And I'm like, but you're really good at building this kind of website for this kind of client, this level of a business, right? You're not going to be the only person I'm going to refer to because that's my reputation on the line, right? If I'm going to be the connector, right? I got to make sure the connections I make are good. (laughs) So I'm going to make sure, and you can have those. I actually love finding people who only do the one thing or the two things that they're really amazing at, because I know I can refer to them confidently. Well, that's right. And, and it's interesting on the other side, Steph, that, you know, and this is so counterintuitive to a lot of entrepreneurs, especially, you know, in the early stage, because they think if they niche down or if they specialize or if they focus or whatever you want to call it, right, on one or two or three or whatever it is, you know, key areas that they're going to limit their business opportunities because there's now a hundred or a thousand other things that they don't do that they can't take on. And, you know, they're in scarcity mm-hmm. or desperation around the money. But the truth is that's what distinguishes you. That what, that's what creates a value proposition that distinguishes you from everybody else who's a generalist. And that actually will end up getting you more business over time because you get known for something. Yes. Right. Now people feel like they can actually reach. I mean, yeah, it just, it kills me how many people are scared to niche down because they're scared they're going to miss out on business. I'm like, you're missing out on business because no one knows you. You don't, no one, no one remembers you, right? If you're going to be a broad solution, right? Coca-Cola is a billion, multi-billion dollar brand because they've, I mean, they've spent decades and gobs of money being the go-to, but even they're, you know, they're, co- they're a house of brands, right? They're the go-to for, you know, for soda. They have a house of brands for their, you know, energy drinks and stuff. But it, it just, it blows me away that people freak out about this whole niching down thing. And I'm like, you do realize you're missing out on referrals by trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. And it's so hard. Listen, frankly, the conversation to be able to say top of mind with people, uh, you know, even people who like you and want to refer you, yeah. you know, pe- people are busy. They meet a thousand people and, you know, are they going to refer the sales and marketing expert or the attorney or the speaker or whatever it is, you know, that they happen to have lunch with yesterday, you know, or they're going to refer you. And, you know, it's been a month since you talked to them. And you know what, you know, if you are a generalist, there's much more chance they're going to refer the person they happen to have lunch with yesterday or ran into in the street because mm-hmm. that's who they is top of mind. But on the flip side, if you're, you know, like I'll just give an example in my case, in my case, you know, we have a couple of niches. I mean, deals driven growth is what we do, right? And it's what we do in the law firm and what we do you know, in my 
speaking and training. And, you know, what I want now, obviously, uh, there are other sort of contractual things that come around that way we do. Sure, we do plenty for, for clients, you know, well, but I want people to know me as the deal guy, right? Because yeah. the deal-driven growth guy, because, you know, growing companies that are looking to grow and finding ways that in addition to sales and marketing, they can do it. You know, those are my ideal clients and that would keep me top of mind. And then we have this separate niche in the law firm that works with investment advisory firms. And we've gotten a real niche in the RIA and registered investment advisory firm space. And that's such a small niche, but yet there are basically... You know, there are more that do it, but there are really like four law firms out there that are super known in that niche for taking teams out of wires, banks, trust companies. I won't get into the details, but like in, and bringing them into entrepreneurship, even though that's a small niche. I mean, there are thousands of law firms, but yeah. I'm only competing with a handful of them in that niche because there's only a few of us that are known for that. So well, that's just, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to give listeners, you know, an example in my case uh, on how that plays down and how it's really benefited, you know, my business growth. Well, and, and it means that the person you met with a year ago, right? It means that Corey, even if you and I don't chat for another year, which I hope we, I hope, I hope that's not the right. case, but like, even if we don't chat again for a year and I happen to find someone who's trying to negotiate a deal, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I know this guy. I was right. on his podcast. I don't remember when it was a little while ago, but he's, this is, that's all he did. That's what he. And that, so you build your referral network, you build your brand as the go-to person for this. And so it creates trust, creates an automatic level of trust that everyone vies for, but rarely manages to accomplish because they're too busy being everything to everyone. Yeah, no, 100%, totally. So before we go to uh, the last couple of things that I want to do on the podcast here, is there anything else in terms of... uh, uh, you know, just general sales and marketing deals, business growth, you know, um, that you think will be valuable to our listeners. Anything else you want to bring uh, on the show today? You know, I think one of the most valuable uh, skill sets that I started to develop, one of the most valuable areas of knowledge that I started really digging into a few years ago is the psychology side. And it really becomes, if you will take some time and just, and I know that's how, you know, people are like, why would I read a psychology book, Right. First of all, there's some really great books out there by psychologists applying it to, you know, book to business principles. You know, you got Robert Cialdini's stuff. You got, there's a whole handful of them. And I just feel like it's so applicable. It's applicable to how you manage your people. If you can understand why people are doing what they're doing, how you manage people will change. It's applicable to your marketing because marketing is all psycho. I mean, that's how I got into marketing in the first place was I was realizing that I was making decisions, buying decisions that I didn't necessarily actually make, like, you know, which pack of tortillas to grab. I live in Texas, so, you know, which pack of tortillas to grab. You know, there's all this marketing. We make subconscious decisions all the time. So I started learning psychology to understand the marketing side. How do I influence people from a marketing perspective? But then I realized this comes into play in sales. This comes into play in every aspect of your business. So, you know, if you want to make deals, if you want to stick in people's heads, if you want to be successful in business, I think the thing I would leave people with is take some time to really understand psychology and how people think it will change your whole life. Yeah, right on. Totally, totally right on. So before I ask you uh, my last question, you've given such great value. I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about you. What's the best place for them to go to do that? Yeah, I would recommend our website is growdisrupt.com, just the name of the company, Grow Disrupt. And we have a ton of resources on there. We have information about our upcoming events on there. We have articles, 
We have a ton of like free courses and stuff we've put together with other people or in-house. We have this really cool quiz that we've been working on. We finally launched it. Uh, We've been working on it for like a year and a half of, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs are so overwhelmed. They don't know what to go work on. The whole point of Mike's book, Fix This Next, but we put together this quiz that'll help you pinpoint what do you need to go focus on next and start fixing in your business And that's available on there. It's a free quiz at the end. Whatever result you get, will have a bunch of resources. So really proud of that quiz and, and, you know, everything else. The the website's an awesome resource. So that's where I would say go. Excellent, folks. So, you know, that'll be in the show notes in case you didn't didn't catch it. So check out the show notes and definitely uh, go check out uh, Stephanie's materials. As you can tell, there's a huge amount of value that she brings here. So, uh, Steph, the last question I uh, ask on the podcast is about freedom. And freedom is, is my highest value in life. It's my single highest value. And for me, that means, you know, freedom, uh, everything from freedom from people around the world, from oppression and, you know, and uh, discrimination and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, all the way down to the reason I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 15 and I don't work for somebody, right? You know, and I'm, right. I'm quote unquote unemployable. Is uh, the freedom really to, you know, create the vision for my business, for my life, to treat the clients I want, et cetera. So what does freedom mean to you and how does it impact what you do in business and life? Freedom means to me that the, the decisions I make, that what I do is my decision yeah. and is my choice. I'm a big believer, you know, you're all about freedom. My thing is all about choice. I believe personal choice is queen. You have choices. You always have choices in every situation. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there's outside factors that weigh in on those choices to heavily influence you one way or the other. And I think that freedom for me is the ability to make choices, the choice that I'm going to be happiest with for me, for my life. And it's, you know, for me, that's the same reason I'm an entrepreneur is I, I wanted choices. I didn't want to feel like I was stuck. I didn't want to have to accept when, when my corporate job suddenly decided they weren't going to pay me a commission check anymore. And I was stuck. I realized I wasn't, I wasn't cool with that. And so for me, it's that it's the ability to make the choice that you're going to be happiest with. Stephanie Scheller, thank you so much for being on the DealQuest podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. You're a fantastic interviewer, Corey. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I, I just, you know, it's an example of, um, this is something I love to do. It's fun for me and it's great. And that's, uh, you know, and I, uh, I actually have this whole concept, which we don't have time to get into around highest and best use. And like, you know, if you're in the things that you uh, great at love to do and, and move the needle on your business, then, you know, life is good. So this is just part yep. of that for me. I 100% agree, man. You and I have a lot in common with our our perspectives on life. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much again. You are great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app, podchaser.com, or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal-making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.